You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. On tonight's podcast, yeah, it is time to talk about Winnipeg versus Nashville, which... Uh, uh, I wish I didn't have to talk about this game. It did not exactly go according to plan, is is how I would describe it. And I, I think this is one of those games where, if you recall a couple of weeks ago, the Jets played the Colorado Avalanche, and you know I was talking about... Dave Lowry maybe not being the best with in-game adjustments, lineup combos, um, in-game deployments, for especially for like time on ice and stuff like that. And it was, you know, a great start against the Avs that ended up ballooning into an absolute disaster class to finish it out. This time, you know, against the Preds in the first period, the Jets kind of came out looking really flat. Uh, Nashville had the jump, they had the spark, I thought that they were a little bit faster, and there was like a really aggressive forechecking press that honestly made the Jets um, commit a lot of turnovers. Now, Winnipeg honestly just didn't really have great puck security in general, and I wasn't really impressed with some of the passing decisions, um, some of the loose body positioning, and just general, I don't know if I would call it like lazy play, but it wasn't really anything where I felt like we were getting their best. Nashville did score first, and I'm sure that you could technically argue it was maybe a bit fortunate. Uh, Tovanen deflected a goal that was arguably a high stick. Based on the replay that I saw, I really had a hard time seeing where it would have been exactly a high stick when it made contact. I feel like at one point it was above a shoulder, but after that, I felt like the stick itself had come down, and honestly, it wasn't really conclusive enough to the point where you could definitively point out it was a bad goal. And so the Jets ended up challenging it, and they did not get that decision. Uh, You know, what I assumed would be the case is it's inconclusive. They didn't really take all that long to review it, and just like that, the Jets were down 1-0. And then later in the period, the Jets then surrendered another goal, this one coming off of a turnover. I think it was from Pierre-Luc Dubois or somebody else, Um, and they were trying to make like a zone exit, but the player turned over the puck, the Preds got some zone possession, and then Mikhail Gronlund basically just sort of wristed it past Hellebuck's left pad. Hellebuck wasn't really looking all that sharp in this game, and, you know, after the after the first goal, I don't know if he could really say a lot about that one. It was maybe a bit unfortunate, but the second one, his positioning near the near post, I didn't really feel was all that great, and then, you know, the, the Preds were buzzing. I know that the bounces and stuff that maybe deflected off of like Pionk and off of the potential high stick could be considered lucky, but the Preds were kind of putting themselves in a good position to actually earn those opportunities. You know, they were attacking the slot area. I thought that they were generating a ton of volume from that right side, at least early on. 
It just felt like Winnipeg was kind of in slow motion, and eventually that led to a third goal against this one off of a very sloppy line change. Hellebuck kind of just got beat through his pads by Ryan Johansson, and it was a pretty ugly goal, but in general, I felt like the scoreline, it was pretty indicative of the performance. You know, that first period, the Jets were slow. I didn't really feel like, you know, all the rest that they've had over the past couple of weeks really made a difference. And people will say, you know, the Jets are 4-1-1 in their last six games or whatever. And that's true, right? But I think the way that they lose against teams that they're actually going to have to play in the postseason, it does worry me. You know, the Jets haven't really been all that good this year. And I feel like the tactical decisions and some of the poor performances from the players and from the coaching staff, it's not really giving me a promising picture. Uh, As much as I want to have faith in this team and want to give it time to um, at least try and find some sort of a rhythm before writing it off. I really do get the sense this year is just not going to be Winnipeg's year. Hellebuck is not quite as good as he used to be in previous seasons. Um, you know, the top six, eh, at times it can play really well, but some of the players who are supposed to be leaders on this team, I don't really feel we've seen enough of. You know, we're also dealing with some major absences. Ehlers is obviously a huge loss. Uh, to another extent, you've also got Wheeler sidelined, which means we're seeing a lot more players who maybe aren't NHL caliber being elevated. But this team for me is still talented enough, and I felt like that first period just really shouldn't have happened. You can't be getting outskated by the Preds. Nashville is a very solid team, don't get me wrong, but the squad is is more than talented enough to take on a Preds team that honestly, under Hines, hasn't been outstanding. And you saw throughout this game that Yusuceros kind of bailed out the Preds' defense a lot. The Jets had plenty of scoring opportunities, but it was just like a lack of execution and some really dumb turnovers and defensive mistakes that ended up killing them, especially early on. Now, I I know the Jets have had slow starts in the past, but this was one of those games where once they were down 3-0, I kind of felt like the game was basically over. You know, the Jets... They have struggled this year with uh, major deficits. In past seasons, maybe they could kind of luck their way through uh, an early deficit and and end up tying it or even stealing a point. But the problem with this approach is that, you know, this Jets lineup right now doesn't really have as much shooting talent, especially the further down the lineup you go. And one thing that did really stick out was through the first couple of periods, guys like Evgeny Zvechnikov really did not get any ice time whatsoever. I'm going to talk about this later in the show because I feel like this for me is a very concerning trend with the coaching staff, and I think it bears uh, a a bigger, broader discussion about what exactly is going on with their decision-making and what they're thinking with how they want this team to play. But, uh, you know, we'll stick to talking about the spreads game first. That first period, you're just going to want to pretend it didn't happen. It was a disaster class, and honestly, the second period, didn't really get all that much better. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But before then, I thought you should hear about why BetOnline.ag should be your number one online betting destination during this holiday season. BetOnline has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Not into football? No problem, because BetOnline has you covered for all of the other sports action you could possibly want. It should be your number one destination for all your online betting needs. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. 
from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Whether you want to play some bets on a Baltimore Ravens game, or you're more interested in who might be your standout scorer from the next Winnipeg Jets outing, BetOnline should be the only place you place your online bets on that next hotly anticipated game. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, so don't hesitate to sign up today for a free account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Thank you for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are continuing this show talking about Winnipeg versus Nashville, which, yeah, as you might have guessed, did not exactly go according to plan. Uh, You know, earlier in this show I talked about the first period being a bit of a disaster class, and the Jets were frankly being outplayed at even strength. It was just pretty ugly all around. Factor in maybe one or two fluky deflections and you could say, well, maybe the Jets were just unlucky. But I think if you look at the underlying numbers, you take a look at the heat maps for scoring opportunities and you just observe some of the footage of how the Jets were basically getting outworked on the forecheck, especially when dealing with um, Nashville's press in the defensive zone and the amount of turnovers that they forced. You'll get a better picture of the fact that the Jets were just outworked at almost every corner. The second period had a very different kind of disaster class, uh, and in this case, the Jets basically got like four or five power plays, which was pretty maddening. I mean, you would think getting power plays is a good thing, and in fact, the Jets did actually convert on one of them. But what was really frustrating was every time the Jets had one, you basically saw just the, the first power play unit and almost nothing for PP2, which, look, I get the second power play unit isn't exactly stacked, right? But the first unit was starting to struggle, especially as they just continually got shift after shift after shift. There were times later in that that stretch of power plays where the first unit really couldn't skate all that quickly. And with how they play and what they're looking for, they really need that extra movement and uh, speed. So, you know, Dubois kind of banked one off of Alexandre Carrier, I think it was, who, you know, tried to block the shot and it went into his net. But aside from that, you know, it didn't really feel like the Jets' power play was particularly dangerous. They kept optioning to Kyle Connor, which is pretty sensible. I mean, he's their one-time guy on the right face-off circle. But the thing that I've really been frustrated with over the past maybe year or so with this power play is it just feels like there's not enough variation. I think we all remember back in the glory days, you had Shifley sitting in that central slot area. Uh, you had maybe Wheeler or Line A on either of the flanking sides who could do this like one-time, one-touch sort of pass system with Shifley in the middle. You know, sometimes Shifley could option for a shot himself and deflect it in, or he'd continue the sequence, pass it out to the other circle, and keep things moving. Nowadays, the Jets have a pretty predictable pattern of just going from uh, high to low in terms of like going from the face-off circle to the central point uh, where you've got maybe Pionk or Morrissey, and then the play then moves back down to Kyle Connor on the other side. And this pattern is extremely repetitive, and it's very easy to read nowadays. I mean, obviously, not every netminder is going to be able to stop Kyle Connor's shot anyways, but for the most part, you know, the better netminders have been reading that angle pretty easily. And I really feel like that lack of variation is going to hurt the Jets long-term because, you know, the more that goalies start cheating and stuff, it might open up other scoring opportunities, but the rest of the power play unit really hasn't been uh, as effective at scoring. So 
I'm just not really getting great vibes from it, and to not get the second unit on for more than just a couple of shifts, it feels like a waste. You know, the Jets really need that extra level of variety. You've got Perfetti on the second unit. Cole has been phenomenal playing for the Jets so far. I think he's been one of our most consistently dangerous players. And so for him to not really see as many of these power play shifts, it's just frustrating. And then you see Adam Lowry out there. And look, I like Lowry. He's a big body. He can play an effective role in a, a monitored role. But under Dave, he's definitely giving his son a lot of shifts. And I don't really think Adam is actually doing the kind of stuff that you would expect a, a player of his um, deployments to really be accomplishing. On the power play, he's out there, but he's not really all that dangerous. He does occasionally use his body body to like effectively screen guys, and maybe something gets banked off of him, but usually I would prefer somebody else there. I just think you're, you're taking away some of that extra level of skill that the top units need, and while the theory of what you want him to do there might be sensible, the actual execution really hasn't been anything beyond pretty lackluster. To make matters worse, you know, not scoring on more than just one of those power plays, the Preds then added another deflected goal thanks to Luke Kunin, or Kunin, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, whatever it is, uh, he scored. Hellebuck again, not really looking outstanding. You know, I, I'm not going to get like super mad at Helly, but these games that he's having where he's not particularly great have been, in my mind, increasingly common this season. And, you know, he's not going to be perfect every time, but it's just, it's not great to see because we know... Winnipeg without him being at his best, it starts to have some real vulnerabilities. Aside from that, you know, the third period came and went. Mark Shifley started off a pretty good spark for the team. He had a goal within the first few seconds, thanks to a nice high, I don't know if it was like a shot or a pass from Morrissey. Either way, it came off of Saros's pad. Shifley was there to collect the rebound and score, and the Jets were actually playing pretty decent hockey for most of the third period. But I think the only reason we really saw this was because the Preds just let off the gas. They were up 4-1, they weren't really concerned about Winnipeg's four-check and press, and so they just sat pretty deep in the neutral zone and defensive zone and kind of let the Jets go to work. Saros had to make a lot of really great saves. But, you know, aside from a couple of really high-danger chances, I, I didn't get the sense that the Jets were as dangerous as I was hoping for. I mean, they had a couple of really good shifts here and there, but it, it wasn't anything that I was particularly feeling the Jets were going to score and, and tie this game. They had a couple of close opportunities, but it just wasn't really enough to, to push it either way. And then, you know, the Jets pulled the goalie with a few minutes left, down 4-1. Adam Lowry came out for the 6-on-5, uh, and we didn't really see Cole Perfetti, who Perfetti was honestly one of the most dangerous Jets out there. And I'm just sort of scratching my head, you know, what is Lowry really going to realistically do for this team, you know, with the goalie pulled? I know that he can be a utility player for certain situations, but the fact that he's used in almost every single scenario, it's just not good. I mean, as much as I like him and as much as he's a nice guy, Dave is really playing his son too much. Lowry's a fourth-line center being asked to do all the stuff that, like, top-line players would do, even if the time on ice might not quite match up. And it's, it's frustrating, it really is, because this team has a ton of talent, and yet it's kind of being sandbagged by some of these really puzzling decisions. I'll talk about some of the most frustrating decisions in just a little bit and what I think it might mean for the future of this team over the next few weeks. All we can hope for is that at some point the Jets start winning games and actually finding the right formula for victory. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. 
we are closing out tonight with some thoughts on um, some strange decisions from the Jets throughout this game against the Nashville Predators. You know, there there were some things that I didn't really agree with, and I think one of the most egregious decisions for me was Evgeny Svechnikov only playing like three and a half minutes. Now, look, I get it. If he's injured and you don't really want to push him and rush him back, I do understand that to a point. But if that was really the case, why would you put him in a game that is both critical for the standings and honestly puts him at risk of re-injuring and re-aggravating whatever he's got going on? You know, Christian Reichel, who's been pretty okay as like a third liner, I feel like was healthy enough to go and probably could have taken Zvechnikov's place if they were really concerned about it. So in that respect, I'm not really sure that that was the situation. You know, unless Zvechnikov is really ailing, I just don't understand why he really didn't see that much time. You know, he's been placed on the fourth line. He's been given a scant few minutes. Uh, I mean, I, I think he actually had less than half of the next closest skater in time on ice deployments, which for a player of his quality and who has been very good at being a, a defensive presence and somebody who can also be a nice complementary winger to actual skill, it's just very confusing to me. I don't really know what's going on there. And this team's continued maybe lack of use of, of, of Zvechnikov for me. It just doesn't make any sense. He's been part of some really effective top six units. I feel like he's earned a spot up there at some point. So I, I don't really get that. I'd also be a little bit confused as to why Lowry was playing in so many critical situations. You know, like I said earlier, as as much as I like Adam, he's not a guy that I want out there for six on five or, you know, consistently on the power play. And also, why is power play one playing so much and not getting any time for power play two? You know, you've got good players on the second power play unit. Use them. The top guys on this team got run into the ground, and towards the end of the game, you could tell that at least some of them were running out of energy. We also saw Lowry kind of put out some random line combos at times. I think uh, Perfetti had a shift with Adam at one point, which is kind of strange. And, you know, while I did like Veselin and moving up to the top line with, with uh, Shifley and Kopp, I also kind of wonder... You know, why didn't Zvechnikov get a look there either? There are just a lot of puzzling decisions with this team right now, and, you know, it started off with not having Heinola in over Stanley, and it just seemed to continue into something where Winnipeg, for me, it, it's getting to the point where I feel like calling them a bubble team is probably maybe a little bit too generous. I don't think the Jets are particularly great, I gotta be honest. Um... I think that there are some tactical decisions that are going to hold them back continually. I think the roster itself is a little bit middling. While it is improved over last year and it should technically have enough talent to make at least a playoff appearance, I think the way that it's being used and the lack of a clear change in the leadership at the top end, for me it's just not enough to actually get this team over the line. And so yeah, I, I really feel like the Jets should probably think about, you know, at the trade deadline, maybe being a seller. I hate to say it, but I just, I'm not really seeing the, the potential with this team right now. And unless they somehow really change course and start to, to really take it to some of these actually quality teams, I don't really feel like the Jets are in a great position to actually try and compete for a deep playoff run. I think that they do have the potential to be fun to watch at times, but you know, in these games against Colorado uh, and, and Nashville. These are teams that they will see in the postseason, and they really haven't been impressive against either of them. And while the Jets do have a lot of games in hand on some of their other Central Division rivals, you know, is that really going to make a difference? I don't know. 
At least they're going to be playing at home, so maybe that will give the Jets a little bit of an advantage. But overall, I'm, I'm just not getting really strong vibes of, of positive play out of this season. I'd really love to have a different assessment of this Jets squad. I would really love it if I felt very confident in the decisions Dave was making and the general direction of the team. But I feel like his lack of experience as an NHL head coach uh, and his approach at times to some of the other stuff, plus Adam Lowry playing as much as he does, all of these kind of factors are, are pointing me in the direction to feel trade deadline time might be a good opportunity to maybe move some deals out and, and try and recruit some assets and really retool for the future. I feel like the Jets, as they are right now, have kind of hit maybe a bit of a wall. And I, I don't know how they work out of it from here because it requires a real thorough examination of every part of the organization. And that's not really going to happen until like the summer. So for now, you know, we're going to keep monitoring the Jets on tomorrow's episode. Maybe I'll talk about some guys that maybe should get moved out. Maybe some players the Jets could think about acquiring and making a really big play for. And ultimately, what I really think about the, the current direction of the Jets. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to do it. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, so be sure to like and follow today. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!